I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugwin McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, fam. Welcome to the party, the Holistic OBGYN Podcast Party. I've got two guests today. We recorded in person in Austin. My guests are Allison Charles and Luke Story, a married couple living a very, very unusual life, I would say, in Austin. Their stories are pretty remarkable. Allison found her way into the shamanic world through some very, very deep personal experiences of her own with medicines, etc., and deep meditation. And Luke's story is kind of known as like Mr. Biohacking, but he brings a certain charm and je ne sais quoi to the conversation. And I, I visited them at their home outside of Austin, and they have effectively a renovation project in making their house turned into how can we mitigate and block as much EMF through the hardwiring in the walls, to these local cell phone towers, to, you know, internet signals, etc. Their house is like a biohacker's dream. And it's actually been, I've been hard pressed to introduce something to Luke, for example, that uh, has been, <laughs> that he hasn't heard of yet. Uh, we were just um, texting about the Analima water wands, which are incredible. If you go to Analima water, uh, I have got a code there. It's code beloved and it saves you 20% on this incredible little wand. And it has coherent water inside that has been exposed to f- all four seasons, 13 lunar cycles inside a quartz crystal kind of glass wand. And you can use it to stir water, to structure your drinking water, etc. I mean, these are the types of things that Luke and I have been romantically bonding over. And I think this is important from the lens of Allison's work, because Allison is very, very sensitive to other energies. She has the sensibility about her that would, I don't know, I'm guessing, I didn't actually ask her this, but without Luke putting so much time and effort into optimizing their living space, would Allison given that she's so sensitive to subtle ener- energetics, would this would it just be hard for her to sleep? Would it be hard for her to live in a place that didn't have all these modifications? So I was fortunate enough to hang out with them in Austin. We talk about everything from shamanism to conscious connection to Luke's story of addiction and, and where they are now, trying to have a baby. And we get into it. We get into relationships. We get into conscious conception. We get into all kinds of fun stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. There is a separate episode I do with Luke's story where we talk about EMF, geopathic stress, and blue light exposure, all of which is in his wheelhouse, way more so than me. And that will be a separate interview that comes out in a few weeks. But uh, we started off with Allison and Luke together, and uh, I had a lot of fun with this one, guys. So I I hope you do too. The podcast sponsors for this episode, I'll I'll make it brief because people are telling me I'm getting long-winded in these intros because the interview does speak for itself. We've got Fit for Birth. Fit for Birth provides online coaching to pregnant postpartum women and um, on, on exercise, nutrition, etc. If, if you're a holistic lifestyle coach, like a Czech practitioner, if you're any type of healthcare professional or you're a fitness professional, you probably haven't 
received any specific education around training in the pregnancy postpartum periods. And that's why Fit for Birth is so spectacular and why I'm so grateful to have them as a, a supporter of the show. Go to getfitforbirth slash beloved and you'll save 20% on any personalized coaching for you or if you're a fitness professional, healthcare professional, whatever, you can take courses there to deepen your toolkit in order to optimize the counseling and the education and coaching that you're providing to pregnant and postpartum women. Can't recommend them enough. The other sponsor is Fullwell Fertility. Ayla Barmer over at Fullwell is an RDN. She has overseen the production of the best prenatal vitamins on the market. She also has a men's virility vitamin and a Nourish Nerves tonic. She personally oversaw the development of the products and oversees the entire manufacturing process, which is why it's no surprise that her products are recognized and hailed as the best on the market. And I like her business, you know, compared to a lot of other great products out there. But her business is small. She's grown organically. And when we were pregnant, I didn't recommend vitamins to even my wife because even the most expensive one at your local grocery store has all kinds of filler agents and ingredients from who knows where. And they barely even scratch the surface of what the recommended daily allowance is. So you're already eating a healthy diet. You're moving well. You're sleeping well, etc. Let's add some additional well consciously produced prenatal vitamins into the mix and you're going to have the healthiest, happiest pregnancy postpartum period possible. So if you want to try them out, go to fullwellfertility.com, use code BELOVED10, you'll save 10% on your purchase. Um, I mentioned the prenatal vitamin, men's virility compound, hell yeah, and then their Nourish Nerves tonic is amazing for leaning into sleep and relaxing at the end of the night. So go to fullwellfertility.com, code BELOVED10, will save you 10%. Support our sponsors so I can keep doing the show. I'm having a lot of fun. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It literally takes five seconds. <laughs> five seconds. You scroll down there, you click rate, bam, five stars, and we continue to rise in the rankings. We're having a lot of fun here. I want to keep doing this for you. So support us in any way that you can. And I've blabbled on enough. Without further ado, my conversation with Allison Charles and Luke's story. Well, welcome to the to the podcast, guys. Thank um, you. I, I'm so happy to have you, Allison. And I am glad that you're here, Luke, because I think some of the things that I like to talk about on my show are really about conscious coupling, conscious parenting, conscious conception, um, being an OBGYN, but kind of pushing these boundaries a little bit. It's always nice to have the partnership because you are the yin and yang. You're the, the sun mm. and moon. <laughs> and we really can't have this without that. So thank you both for being yeah, yeah, that's nice. I always like when he and I can do things together and just see how it weaves in that particular yeah. day. Yeah. And um, yeah, just to share space in a professional format is always nice. Right, right. Well, and you you also have your own platforms. So the the onus is off of you now. We just get to have a little bit of fun and talk about exactly. About that's your nice. Journey. Yeah, it, it's it so good? much less work. I know. It feels lighter. Yeah, being sure. the guest, I don't have to think about it. Even you sent the questions, and I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. Hosting definitely requires a little more attention. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So, host, what do you want to talk about today? Why don't we? I want to talk about your love story. I want to know when you each knew that the other person was the person you were going to love for, for a very long time. <laughs> oh, God, this is hilarious. Well, I'll start by saying that on some layer of our being, <clears throat> there began to be an awareness as soon as we became aware of one another existing on Earth. Yeah. And um, that was probably like 
five, no, six-ish years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, we were both speaking at a consciousness event in New York City. I was based in New York City for a very long time, so I was there. He was flying in from LA. <clears throat> and I, I love telling this quick story. The event was called WITMA, Wellbeing in the Modern Age, I believe. And they gave me the event graphic, you know, and I wanted to tag all the other speakers and, you know, get the party started online to promote. And I'll never forget when I went to his Instagram, there was just something. We were both not in a place of readiness, mind, body, spirit, soul to come together at that time. But there was a little ping in my soul when I saw him and I tagged his name right in my heart center. Whoa. And it still lives somewhere deep in the bowels <laughs> of my Instagram feed. You can see the proof of this. And all the other speakers are in a line on the right side of the picture. And Luke's name is right Bam. here. Hmm. So there was some aspect of me that knew instantly, but it was like a quick dart in and out. And it, it was like my psyche, my being wouldn't let me go beyond just that ping because it wasn't time. And then there was a similar experience, I think for you, he stayed my panel I was on was the last one he was earlier on, but he stayed to scope me out to see if I would qualify for the lifestylist podcast. <laughs> in, in other, I mean, something like that. And he decided, you know, he did want to have me on. And then yeah, the next day or whenever we podcasted while he was still in town, he had a big heart opening while interviewing me. And he, I was like, to tell this story too, he cried for the first time while on his own show while interviewing me. So there was a big, wow. you know, so there were, there were these entry openings that happened right away, but then it took us so many years to get into sacred union. Yeah. 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 It was funny because we were both um, independently celibate during the time in which we met and I had noted that she was attractive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was not engaging with any females, let alone one that I was set to interview for my podcast. So yeah. it was just completely f formal, you know, yeah. um, in that sense. But, yeah, when I um, interviewed her on number 111, as it ended up, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, looking back even though I wasn't giving any energy to any sort of flirting or nothing. It was just a very clean interaction. But I think because of that, because I knew that I had no motive other than to just create a great podcast episode, or at least I'd hoped, I just, I felt really safe. And one thing I remember about that couple hours we spent is we were in a, <laughs> we were in this like converted department store in midtown Manhattan. And, um, and I walked in and, and she's like, cool, so let's just go over here and record. But there are all these people around. I'm like, no, 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 we needed a space, you know, lady, geez. <laughs> well, um, I had done, because I was a part of this project. It was this old building on Billionaire's Row in Manhattan. It was this beautiful, it used to be Lee's Art Supply Store, like this three-story beautiful old building. And I had previously like sat in the windows, like the front windows of a department store in this building we were in. And I'd already done podcasting from the front windows and it was fun. And we made yeah. the sound work. And so I liked that idea, but he did not. So, so as, a, as a result of that, uh, yeah. the woman uh, with whom she was in partnership on the space put us in, in basically like the networking closet. Yeah, like the cord room. <laughs> you know, where all of the internet networking was. Yeah. So we're in this tiny little closet, no windows, closed doors, sitting on the floor together. So there was just, I know there was a certain level of intimacy mm -hmm. that is not common in a podcast totally. recording. But um, anyway, the... 
main point is during that conversation, we were talking about her past and just troubles we'd each had in relationships. And there was a moment at which I had this realization around my unavailability for, for intimacy and falling in love. And um, it had a lot to do with, which I learned much later, um, just repressed fears of abandonment and childhood trauma and all the things that makes one not want to be vulnerable. Yeah, sure. But um, the part that I was able to perceive at the time was my valuation of freedom. I just wanted to be free. I never wanted to be monogamous or get married or have kids or do any of that. I was just living my best life. Uh, so I thought, but anyway, in that moment, um, it occurred to me that this level of freedom that I had been clinging to had become a prison in and of itself because my, all of the work that I was doing in Kundalini right. yoga and all these right. different things. Uh, this is like pre-intentional plant medicines or psychedelics, but it was becoming increasingly painful to, to withhold the love that I was cultivating within myself. And so that was the moment at which ah. I cried because I re I had this epiphany like, oh my God, I'm clinging to this flimsy, low value version of freedom when ultimately the freedom that I know now with her is just the freedom to love with zero restrictions and just to be beyond all in, you know, and yeah. to not have any fear around that and just go ahead first um, because I went with someone that I trust. So that's when there was like an element of trust, I think that developed because the space she held was so, it was just so caring. I felt mm. so safe. She was so warm and to open up to a woman, especially an attractive woman, even though I didn't have designs for her at that time. I mean, that's not comfortable. Yeah. You know? yeah it wasn't scary. at that time, you know? So yeah, it was like, it was just this moment that happened spontaneously. And then afterward, over the course of the next couple of years, and this was an independently shared experience, so many people told me, oh man, you and that girl, Allison, like, are you going to go out with her? You guys have a thing, the vibe, this and that. And I got the same DMs as well yeah. from like strangers It was it, over I mean, the course of years. It Just was from listening pronounced. to the conversation. Yes. No kidding. Yes. So it was obvious to everyone wow. except <laughs> us that we had a thing. So that, that was when we met and then we were just friends. Um, you know, uh, throughout, but we lived in a different city. So, but there are a lot of funny stories and I just want to quickly just honor, um, cause in hearing you retell that again, cause we haven't, we haven't done a joint podcast in a while. So it's nice to get this like refresher of this journey and just want to honor your, you know, capability and willingness to, cause in that precise moment, what, what was happening was the, the needed collapse of this entirely structured and, you know, old paradigm system that he had like really staunchly, strongly built within and around himself. And that was revealing that it needed to crumble. And simultaneously, as we get to those threshold gateway points in the, on the spiritual path, shamanic path, you know, the old paradigm system wanting and needing to die off. And then, then there's this whole other world that begins to open, yeah. which his heart was exploding open. He's feeling safe for the first time on a deep level with a woman. And like all these new worlds were opening up and he allowed himself and he, you do this, you know, really masterfully in a lot of different categories, you know, just letting that evolution happen. You know, you don't, I just think it says a lot that you coming from someone who has the backstory and history that you do 
I don't, I always get, I know all his stories and I don't know if there's some that he hasn't shared. Cause I was just going to say one example, but I, is there, there's nothing off. Oh, <laughs> well, you know a lot about me. Um, no, probably not off limits. Have, I you, mean, have you told, shared the story, how you used to drive people around or probably not? Uh, probably. Yeah. One, one uh, vocation that I held for a period of time right after I got sober, I was a deeply hopeless uh, addict and alcoholic for many years. And I got sober and was trying to find my way. And um, I was totally unskilled and uneducated. So um, my job prospects were not exactly on fire. But one job that I was able to land was um, being uh, kind of a driver and quasi money collector and body, uh, what is a bodyguard? <laughs> Me and my 135 just <laughs> just newly sober, um, self 135 pounds. I was, I was definitely not a tough guy, but, uh, I drove hookers around and collected their money and, you know, made sure that they were accounted for. And it's all just that. one example. Wow. I yeah. mean, I, and there are a lot of different stories like this with his life journey. And that's just one example that can help exemplify the trajectory. I sure. mean, he went from being an only open relationships, completely love avoidant, you know, tons of deep dysfunction in all of his previous relationships to, you know, evolving to the, to the point where we sit today. I mean, it's, total opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum. Yeah. So I just wanted to speak to that and honor that. Thanks, honey. And yeah. I think they're called sex workers now, just to clarify. Yeah. But at the yeah. time, yeah. <laughs> I don't think right. we, I don't think that term existed. I don't think you were using the term not sex to, worker back then. <laughs> not to denigrate the yeah. sex workers uh, by yeah. calling them a hooker. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, just, a, you know, just living like a wild man in Hollywood for many years. And, um, but ultimately what I realized in that moment was, it's, I think I said something like this and I've come to understand it as this. It was like breaking my heart to withhold the love that I had to express. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like a weight in my chest of just trying to put the reins on that, you know? Yeah. Um, and she was the one that unlocked that. The story of, you know, the monk at the top of the mountain, you know, I'm thinking like, even Uma Thurman, she's doing all the training with the Kung Fu master, right? And you get all these skills and then you just live out your life on the top of the mountain. That's mm. not ever how the story ends, but that's actually what's modeled to us through our fathers, through other men in you know, earlier generations of keep it all in, keep it together, chin up, push forward. You know, I mean, it's the classic, the classic thing. And I think that's actually what leads to a lot of, you know, emotionally abusive relationships, addictive behaviors, et cetera. Um, I think it gets in the way of our health. I think it's in the way of our relationships, our ability to have genuinely good intimacy, you know, quality intimacy with others. And, um, and so not to necessarily echo, but also to reflect on in my own life, the stoicism is one path, but it's not the only path and it's not the, the end game. You know, at some point we then have to come down from the mountain and allow ourselves to, to really be seen by others. And that's very hard for most of us. Until we find somebody that yeah that well, makes us feel safe to do that yeah part, and part of that um, part of that learning is well has been for me the cultivation of discernment to mm. be able to mm -hmm. know when it is truly safe yeah because one can walk around in deep empathy and compassion and open heartedness but the mind has a very difficult time discerning truth from falsehood or yeah, 
you know, the consciousness level of any given person. And if somebody is at a lower state of consciousness, they're going to be um, increasingly unsafe. Right. 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 As someone right. with whom you can develop intimacy and vulnerability. So, but you to, know, that to... was, that was part of, I think what I just felt in her. I was like, wow, she's so cool. I feel so safe to just be myself and, and felt very uh, accepted and not judged at right. all. Yeah. Right. And that continues, you know, that's one of my favorite aspects of our union is I am completely in total safe space at all times to completely fully express and be whatever shape, form, color I need to be in that moment, you know, and, and I'm a deep feeler. I mean, before, I mean, I guess maybe you caught part of that conversation that we started before we officially started recording, but just how I have a lot of spontaneous like initiations that come into my life, like from five to seven this morning while I'm in bed, like all of these deep purgings and ancient awarenesses. And, um, I move through a lot. That's my choice. That's how I love to live life and that fullness and to be able to be in that fullness, um, is so beautiful. And it also just to honor myself, it speaks so much to what I've been through and what I've been able to transcend that I can be with and hold the space of non-judgment based upon his very colorful past, yeah. you know, because I had my awakening from a very dysfunctional past relationship where he was struggling with different addictions, sex addiction being one of them. And that was honestly the scariest, darkest cave for me to really, Mm. like when I would Mm. start to look into that one, I would take a few steps back and have to wait a month or two. And then I, I, but I knew I needed to fully go all the way through that. But that journey of facing that level of darkness took me, you know, years to walk all the way through that cave. And now it's like, it's because I've done that walk and because I've, you know, gone fully into those territories that when I hear his past, like it doesn't, I don't flinch and clinch and get freaked out. It's just like, I, I feel like I've known who he really is from the second I met him. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, and how we got together, I always want to honor grandfather medicine peyote because he played an instrumental role. I, you know, I imagine our union would have happened had we not sat in those ceremonies and not been in the, in the teepee, but that it was that ceremonial weekend, uh, communing in that way. That is when we officially became a couple. Yeah. So I just, you know, when I bring that dot into, cause that was a big moment for us. Clearly you guys are both very sensitive to the unseen. Let's just call it the invisible. I'm reading this book called woman as healer. And they talk a lot about the, even in ancient Sumer, there were those who practiced medicine, medicine, healing, with the visible and the invisible. Mm-hmm. And it's this super ancient ancient uh, technologies, right? Shamanism, et cetera. We're definitely going to get into that. Given that you guys both are so sensitive, Luke, I know that you know a lot of what you've even created here in your renovations are due to your sensitivity to electromagnetic radiation, for example. And you, Allison, being sensitive to otherwise mm-hmm. unseen, whether it's spirit animals or it is messages from beyond. I mean, there's so many ways to imagine it. I, and while we're on Luke for just a second, if anybody listening hasn't heard your podcast, you do some incredible episodes 
that get into how to perhaps break down some of that EMR and the the uh, the impacts it has on your health, mental, emotional, other energetic bodies. Um, so I encourage everybody to go to Luke Story's podcast, the Lifestylist podcast. I'm talking to your camera now, even though we're recording. <laughs> Thank on you. My, yeah. yeah, it's nice to acknowledge yeah. those guys. Yeah, right guys. there. Yeah, um, and because I, I study a lot of biogeometry and a lot of these, you know, more Eastern philosophies, and incorporate in, that into my practice, whether it's through fertility and conception, all the way up through menopause, and there's not a lot of good resources out there. So I just want to send people that way as well. So, Allison. What was I your... just started eating a grape. I thought it was off of me. <laughs> Stuff your mouth with grapes and then Kurt Cobain it to me. <laughs> um, I want to know, how old were you when you really started having these these sort of, um, I don't want to say intuitive messages, but I, I guess I will. Like, like, when did that kick in for you? Yeah. And that to me must seem like Sookie from True Blood where you're getting all these downloads all the time. How did you keep that corral that energy mm. and then create this incredible book. I did not corral it. That is the <laughs> quickest soundbite answer. Um, yes. Thank you for asking this question. It's such a, it's a paramount one for my entire journey so far, whittling it down because my answers, I mean, the work I do and what I embody, it's like goes so far into these subtle realms and it's just like such a wide cast spider web at this point. Um, I have to really tune in to be like, what needs to be brought in to answer this? Um, so at a very young age, at like two and a half, I really was at a decision point. So I incarnated with these abilities. I incarnated with this soul level shamanic calling encoded inside of me. So I came earthside with all of it here, but at about two and a half, three, very young age, I reached a decision point and I felt because seership is one of, if not my main gifts, I can see a lot. My dad was my distance running coach and I love my dad and we have a great relationship and I wouldn't change anything of it. Um, you know, but like most people, he had a lot of wounding and it was transferring and carrying over in different ways. And he not only was my dad, but my distance running coach. So before I was even three, he put me in my first running road race. And so this, this kind of unique amoeba began to form I, being a highly sensitive child who is a seer, who can see into his pain body, his traumas, I realized very early on, I was going to have to choose either my relationship with my dad slash coach or my relationship mm. to, to the divine. And that mm. choice point, honestly, I, in all, in the spiral, never ending spiral of being a forever student and forever healing, learning, getting back to that choice point loops back into my overall healing journey a lot because that was almost the ultimate betrayal and ultimate wow. trauma yeah. because at such a young age, I'm having to choose my true soul essence and calling and gifts or my relationship with the primary yeah. caregiver. And, um, so, so yes, uh, I greatly suppressed the gifts, but on a soul level, I did keep them alive enough, like just, you know, by a thread because all I was ever innately interested in, I was learning how to read poems at a young age, I, the healing power of colors, numerology, metaphysics. That's all I would read about even as a young girl. So it was like, I was keeping it alive, simmering a yeah. low simmer. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, and then it wasn't until, um, it's been so many years ago at this point, but I had a, a, a spontaneous divine intervention, spiritual awakening that changed everything. Um, which my cat who's howling in the background was a part of, he has witnessed it all my whole journey pretty much. But, um, so the woke cat. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes. Um, he is a sh- shamanic cat who needs no acknowledgement. Um, but anyways, yeah. So there, there was a long span of many years where I was in a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of deep emotional anguish and nearly two decades of it. I was in a dysfunctional at times abusive relationship. So my pre awakening path was riddled with a lot of pain and a lot of denial. The denial and illusion piece was the biggest for me. That's what kept me stuck in that cycle of insanity for almost two decades. You know, here I am this two-time national champion athlete, top radio host, daytime television talk show host, worked in TV production for major, uh, uh, major networks in New York City. Like that's where this phrase that I share a lot, winning but lost. That's where I coined that phrase because that was my journey. I was winning but lost. I was winning on paper and externally, but lost inside. And, and thankfully my guides came in that one day to course align me. Course correct. Yeah. Course correct. Yeah, and so yeah. that's, that's how he began to enter. And the last little bit that I'll say, cause they're in the next two important points is once the veil lifted and I saw the truth of me, him, the relationship, more of earth had more awakenings. That's where I chose to surrender, speak my surrender statement. And then that's when I decided to heed the guidance coming in from finally surrendering. And it was only through the heating of the messages, they were showing me how to heal myself. So I never, I like to clarify, I never went out on a quest to become a shaman. I never said I want to be a shaman. I wanted to be healed. And it was in my healing journey that the truth within me finally had space and breath to inform me and and open up. Yeah. So that's the most nutshell I can make it. (laughs) It's been a, it's been a ride. What a journey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and, I know that I, I want to make sure we we talk about your book because it's so beautiful. And um, well, let's just let's just dive in there. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, anything you want to add? Because you've been on this journey as well. Mm-hmm. well. I think you've seen change. It's just I got to say it's um, it's such a gift to be to be in a relationship with someone who's done so much work on themselves, yeah. and yeah. it's just. And also a reflection of the work that I've done, but just thinking about just, just for example, um, how easily and quickly conflicts between us are resolved. Mm. And I notice because of that foundational surrender that's taken place in her life and in my life, um, and we've been together, how long we've we been together? Three years or something? About that. It's like the waves are not, they don't rock you much, you know? Mm. It's kind of, um, it's interesting. It's like in meditation, right? You learn to take on the witness observer perspective and you can do that within yourself where mm-hmm. with practice, as I'm sure you and many of your listeners know, there's a part of you that's watching you, right? So as I speak now, there's an observer that's... yeah aware of what I'm saying and how it's being said, et cetera, and the intellect and the ego and all of these different parts of us. But um, because of the experiences Allison's had, it's like both of us get to be witness, observer, consciousness of ourselves individually, but also 
as as a unit, right? And the relationship itself as as kind of a third entity, right? So, yeah. it's like rather than saying, "Oh, when you did this, you made me feel," the positioning is almost always even from the outset. That's interesting. When that thing happened, this is what I was experiencing inside. It's totally. Yeah. And it's also like what's coming up for me is this. And I'm already seeing how it tracks back to that thing that happened when I was 15. But I just want to talk this through with you because it's touching that sensitive point. It's like we already have, I mean, you know, he's 51, I'm 43. It's like we have been walking this path for a long time and, and done such deep work that in such real time, we're able to go into those realms and those threads and into that web and to, and to connect so many dots. So by the time in real time that we're even saying anything to the other, it's like, we're already three quarters of the way through it. And it's just helpful to have a trusted, you know, additional perspective or to just move the energy so that you fully transcend whatever piece just had a little fragment hanging on. So yeah, it's a really beautiful space. Uh, yeah. I would say something that's been added to my life too, as a result of her perspective is the inclusion of much more ceremony in, in my life. Like most of what she does walking around the house (laughs) is some kind of a ceremony. So if I get caught by something, oh, you know, they've been dealing with a lot with renovating this this house that, yeah. uh, in which we're sitting now. And the other day something came up and I, I put it on paper and I, I kind of thought really hard about it and I had some solutions, but I was experiencing quite a bit of anxiety. And so, you know, I sit, I mean, I have to get to like, I'm at the breaking point before I'm going to bring something to her. It's just kind of the way I'm wired, but I did. And then she immediately went etheric on it. It wasn't like so much logic. It was kind of like, well, let's pray about it. Let's feel into this. Let's look at, you know, what the patterns are that are playing out. What's the lesson here? What's not, not how are we going to win, but how are we going to evolve yeah, yeah. using this little micro, yeah. you know, anxiety ridden decision. So it's like mm-hmm. just always reminding me to come back to presence and, you know, last night or the past few nights we've been um, kept up, or at least I've been kept up most of the night by these freaking screaming frogs. We, we let our pool... <laughs> Frog medicine. We let our yeah, pool right? go green because uh, we're do, getting some stuff changed on it. So it became a frog pond. And I don't know what's going on here in Texas, but I don't know what's going on in Texas, but we have these screaming frogs. So first night there's one, he's screaming to bring in a mate. Last night uh-huh. the mate shows up and now they're just like having this rally. Uh-huh. Uh, all, night, all night long, you got to hear it all. Yeah, and so I'm, th- you know, my first thought is like, do you think the neighbors will hear a shotgun if I go out to the pool and take care of this noise? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, no, I probably prefer that over the frogs, <laughs> you know, copulating. <laughs> um, so I go out and you know, I manage to catch the frogs in the middle of the night, and I already know, like, what I would do is probably just like dump them in another place in the yard. But because I'm with her, it's like, oh, we're going to bring them to the creek. What does this mean? <laughs> We're going to set them free. (laughs) There's a whole frog release ceremony, right? So everything is kind of imbued with this reverence uh, that I don't think Uh would be there to that degree um, without her in my life. Thank you for that acknowledgement. That means a lot because I I know that I've played that role 
for him and he and he's allowed that to to come in and he's allowed that evolutionary piece but yeah he has grown a lot in terms of the sacredness piece and the reverence piece at times it was very minimal when we first got together there were times where it would be a, a bigger part um but we'd be in a lot of these sacred experiences or ceremonies and um yeah just his relationship to the sacred piece was at times, somewhat low in some capacities, like as, in terms, especially the the shamanic piece, that world that I know so well, that um, he was opening up more to on a on a deeper level, and so yeah, it's now I see him on his own accord, just how he might handle my shamanic tools or just, you know, so many different examples. I'm like, oh, that, that sacred reverent piece is more embodied in him now. And it's more of a natural relation, which is so nice. One example of that, that I've just observed within myself um, recently is I've started to put the plants about in the house. Uh, You know, you go to the plant store, buy them, they sit in the yard for a few days. And then I found myself as I was potting the plants and cleaning their leaves with mayonnaise, um, I'm talking to the plants. Did you say just, it was mayonnaise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell it shines that. up the leaves. Oh, yeah. Oh. Mayonnaise is everything, dude. <laughs> it, it, yeah, because you know how the big leaves on like yeah. those, those figs get water uh-huh. spots and stuff? Uh-huh. And they just look like they're suffocating. Yeah. So, yeah. Mayonnaise. My, my, I learned that from my mom when I was a kid. Oh, right Shout on. out to Marthan. Yeah. But I'm, uh, you know, I'm talking to the plants and having a relationship with them, right? And I, I would have probably prior seeing them as sort of inanimate and yeah. without consciousness, sure. right? And so I'm making structured water for them and explaining what I'm doing and having this whole, this beautiful experience. And whether or not they hear me or know I'm there is not important. What's important to me is that I'm acknowledging the the unity in consciousness and that that plan over there is just another expression of consciousness as I am. So on that level, we're having a relationship because we're the same thing, you know? So just things like that, I think my life has really um, been enriched. And I've not seen her talk to the plants, but when we walk around the neighborhood and see the deer, I'm just like, cool, there's a deer. She walks up and starts introducing us and having these conversations. (laughs) I'm like, we live down at 211. (laughs) You guys can come down. And now like they let me get very close. I feed them raspberries. Like we're getting closer and closer. Come by for Taco Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We're tight relationship. So given everything that you guys are saying, and I I know you guys have talked a little bit about this on each of your podcasts, um, your journey with conception and, Mm. and calling in the spirit of a baby perhaps. How is the, how is the ritual and ceremony? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and for those who are listening, we haven't talked about your podcast yet, but your podcast is called Ceremony Circle. Yes. So like it, life is a ceremony. Yes. Everything is ceremony. Yes. How have you brought this into your life now that you guys are, are talking about, you know, perhaps extending the family a little bit, expanding? <laughs> oh boy. This is a big one. We have about four hours to record. Oh I think, my so. gosh! Right, I know. Yeah, what time do you have to be done? Uh, I have another forty minutes. Okay, thirty-five, forty minutes. Cool. Um, so, okay, wow, this is a big, big, big orb. So going into the nucleus, yeah, wow, 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 wow. Oof. This one, we have done so much. I feel it so much in my body and my heart, even as I'm starting to talk about it. We've done so much work just in this this portal, this gateway of becoming parents, the parenting portal. 
Uh, and and even before, I mean, I guess we had arrived to the doorway of the parenting portal and said yes to putting our hands on the door of the gateway to the parenting portal. And like the work begins right away, right? Um, yeah, he had to, tra- to traverse through a bit more in some categories than I did just because, and he's openly shared about this a lot on his own podcast, but his molestation as a child and like, he's done so much healing work around that. But you know, then in this conversation, in yeah. this context, it might bring up a whole different layer when he's thinking about like, wait, like, okay, if I become a dad and I have a child you know, it just, it's a different context than when you are looking into your own childhood yeah. trauma. Yeah. And so that he, on his own accord, you know, without me feeling called to go to certain um, plant medicine journeys, he would go on his own and do his own needed work around this piece. And so th- that's just one example. And even us in terms of intimacy, like we both come from past riddled with um, unhealthy sexual relations, Mm. you know, like I shared, you know, an ex of mine had sex addiction issues and the role of the entanglement that I played in that was such low self-worth and also a transferring of some wounds from some childhood stuff that then went over and played out in this different form with my ex of allowing my physical vessel to be utilized for gain for another. And so like, even at our pretty mature adult ages, like one of the most beautiful mystifying portals from my perspective for us has been like, it's only now that we're both in the safe space to really learn at these ages, what true safe intimacy and sensuality and sexuality is. And so there's just an ever growing exploration and learning of, of that with us. And I mean, there's just, layer upon layer yeah, in yeah. this parent saying yes to parenting thing. And I'm sure there's probably stuff coming up for you that to speak to. Yeah, I think a lot of my uh, curiosity and curiosity evolved into desire or a sense of purpose around um, becoming a father came about a, as a result of, um, of working with medicine, really. I mean, the, realizations I've had around it and the shadowy realms that I've been able to traverse and the safety and the kind of quantum limitlessness (laughs) of those experiences. Um, But yeah, part of it that I've worked through, even even when I got to the point of of wanting to have kids and wanting to have that experience with Allison, um, I recently uncovered, for example, like a preference toward having a girl and kind of a f- more fear around having a boy, you know? And it's like, God, wow. you know, and most men are like, oh, I want to have a little me, you know? Yeah, yeah. It just felt safer to have a girl. And then through some of those explorations, I saw um, what Allison was alluding to in part was my uh, doubt that I can protect a little boy from having the same experiences that I had. Right. And so. Projection there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so just. Yeah. If, if some of the things that happened to me when I was a kid 
are possible, then that means they're possible for a boy. But because I'm not a little girl and those things that happen to a little girl, that just seems safe and everything's going to be yeah. fine. You know, just as like a surface totally. level kind of um, awareness. And so I was able to work through that and realize that there's complete safety in the whole experience. But in order for me to feel not only ready to be a father, but also that it's part of my purpose has required the excavation of just a lot, a right. deep, a deep wounding, right. you know, and to feel, to feel capable. Um, and also to be in enough trust in God that it's going to happen according to the highest good. Cause a lot of my fears around it are around my own birth trauma and hospitals and allopathic medicine and Absolutely. all of that. And so, yeah. you know, leaning into, the the way we are now, I think is, or at least how I'm framing it for myself is there's kind of a hierarchy of preferences of how conception, pregnancy, birth, how that can all go down. I have this perhaps idealistic version of it that right. is free of all medical interventions. Mm -hmm. um, but rather than having kind of an attachment to that is acknowledging that there's a divine order to things and that the soul that I've met on the astral plane that, that is in, intending to come in has its own plan and its own agenda. And also I have, you know, a partner who's having a much you know deeper end of that experience obviously mm. is the one being pregnant. Um, yeah. So there's, there's like, I think um, a, a good understanding of what my responsibility in the process is and what I can and can't control and just leaning into preference rather than fighting against what I don't want. Right. And giving mm -hmm. energy to say a pregnancy or birth experience that yeah. is, that's not in my template. Right? And honoring that yin yang that you started with, yeah. you know, us, instead of looking at it from the perspective of like, Oh, we're clashing in a bunch of areas. It's like, I'm in my Oracle. I'm in my, you know, shamanic high priestess embodiment and all I'm feeling called to do is stay in relation to the intelligence of my physical body and in relation to God goddess. It's like, I will go to those two places to inform me. And I'm that, and that's by a second to second basis, right? So I'm not devising any ideal, like mapping out. It's just like moment by moment, what is God, God is instructing me to do on this specific journey of conceiving and having a full-term healthy pregnancy and birth? And what, what is my body intelligence guiding me to do? And so it's like, I, I have to hold that line because the second that I went out of that line to honor and be open-minded to his, his approach of more mapping things out and researching and learning within 30 seconds of me getting out of that alignment, I had a goddess Kali initiation, this fire rip roared through me. Wow. I, I yelled, I was like, I don't live this it's way. Hung. Yeah. 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 Cause I'm, I'm yeah. taking like every doula class. I'm basically becoming a birth keeper. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> Which is beautiful. And I'm it so is. grateful. Yeah. You know, I know yeah. there's not many women who can say that their partners are leaning into the path in that way. So I'm so grateful for that, but that's not how I'm instructed to walk yeah. it. So we just have to honor like the, okay, I'm in the yin, he's more in the yang. I'm in my oracle, he's more in the whatever you want to call it and view it from that as opposed to like right. we're bumping heads. 
the theme that's coming through for me is that you're both coming to terms with the need to surrender to the process, but on your own, in your own way. Yeah. Because you're actually having to re to sort of control things a little bit more than you would like because of Luke's tendencies mm -hmm. to want to, you know, I don't want to use the word hijack, but sort of like, hey, if we have all the right knobs and levers in the right spot, then bam. Yeah. And you and I talked quite a bit about this on your show. Um, where it's almost like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't really have any idea. And my wife went through this when we got pregnant the first time. You know, I had all these friends in the OBGYN community. They were like, read this book. And they were sending me all their, all their books. Like, read, read my book. Like, they wanted almost to be like, we endorse this book because it's the book that helped us the most. And Steph was like, no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely not. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, no. You know, and it was like the first seven words in is like, here's the first catastrophic thing that you need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And so there is a, a bit of a surrender while you, you want to do whatever you can. Yes. You want to get as healthy as possible during or before, during and after. There's only so much we can control. And that surrender is sometimes the missing piece. So I love that that's kind of coming through both of you in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, what was the hardest conversation you guys have had since you started talking about perhaps expanding your family? Hmm. Just closing my eyes to tune in, see if I can find. I think the, the only real memorable moment for me is the one that she spoke of, which was around me, like, you know, wanting to take this class and take notes and all the things. Like an online and, chorus. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which is, immensely valuable, but that's the way I learn, right? Sure. The way she learns as she described is, is different. And so, but it wasn't something ongoing. It's just like, she was just, she just pulled the plug, you know, on that, on that evening yeah. of like, Hey, let's do this together. And she was like, I'm not feeling this. This is actually really pissing me off or whatever the case was. Um, but I think other than that, I mean, there's nothing really meaningful in terms of, like how we're viewing it differently. I think we both have the same goal and the same purpose and the same underlying surrendered, yeah, you know, surrender of whatever control we have. I think I'm just more because of the work I do in health and biohacking. And I'm just like a geek for all the things that make you healthy. I think I have much more emphasis on wanting to prepare and, yeah. and she's more, you know, she's not reading a book or listening to a podcast. She's like, what does my body want right now? Well, my transcendence piece is exactly what he's talking to. And that was probably the, the biggest old collapse into new world work threshold that I had to do was okay. Finding the words for this. Cause I haven't really shared this and I can do it efficiently. Um, <laughs> so by what he was just sharing, you know, his knowledge of the biohacking world, and then he's coming in and based upon the way he learns and researches, he's like, these are the supplements that, you know, that I'm learning are the best. And that this wizard said, you know, would be great for you. And as like, different devices are being offered up and supplements. And that's where I had to cross the threshold and realize I'm not for another massive round entering into another situation where a male is telling me what to do with my physical body. Like my dad did when he coached me, like my ex did with oh, the sex. That's so interesting. So that was a yeah. big threshold cross because I had to trust that he's different, that this container is different, that I've evolved enough that I'm different. And 
for, so it might seem like such a small thing, like it's Luke and he's giving you vitamins. But for me, it was a whole initiation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a whole rite of passage where I had to say yes. And I had to fight some resistance, that rebel archetype in me and just different aspects of me that kick up and flare up sometimes. And, you know, and I do take the, the, all the liquid minerals and supplements. And like, I have leaned into, into more things that he has advised, but it took work for me. So that was the most challenging thing for me. Yeah. That piece is interesting. interesting. Yeah. That piece is interesting because it's her body, right? And so, and I'm so sovereign. Who, who, who am I to tell her what to take or not take or eat or not to eat? Like I'll look at her eating some white bread that I'm pretty sure I is, love bread and butter is, <laughs> is laced with who glyphosate, <laughs> and like all the studies about glyphosate and birth defects are yeah. like running through my head, <laughs> like, I'm a, like, yeah. like a horror movie, you know. But it's it's interesting with with conception because yeah, it's her body, but it's also our project. You know, uh-huh. it's our kid, yeah. right? So it's yeah. like. I, I have had moments where I'm, you know, future tripping and say something does go wrong. I'm like, I don't want to look back and go, fuck, why didn't I tell her not to eat that glyphosate? Right. 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 Because now our kid has one arm or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, that escalated. Three eyes. One roll with (laughs) butter is going to. Let me say, our kid has three eyes. Let me say something (laughs) not possible. But you know what I mean? I'm thinking like, I don't want, I've caught myself like, I don't want to be resentful later because something goes wrong. And I also don't want to control her life or her experience. I just want to stay in my lane and live my life. But this is a collaboration. So it's. And I'm already making enough concessions. I feel like, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm doing ABCDFG, let me have my role, you know? And so it's been, yeah, it's been a, it's been a dance. I mean, not, it's not like we f- argue about it every day. We, we're, we find our way with it, but yeah, there's like some give and take and some breaths and recentering. And it's like, it's finding out how to work this new amoeba. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of nights ago, Luke came to a screening of a film by Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein, The Business of Birth Control. If you haven't seen it, you're listening, you haven't seen it, you can go to their website and screen it online. Did you share anything about the film with Allison? Did you guys have any conversations around that? Because it really does pertain a lot to sovereignty, informed consent, <laughs> yeah. risks, benefits, alternatives, etc. So I, I did, and thankfully she's not been on um, oral contraceptives for a very long time, Yeah, but I think what was most shocking about that for me is because I haven't paid much attention to that particular product line. (laughs) I don't know what's happening there. I haven't dated anyone. I don't think in a long time that would take birth control in that way. Uh, But the fact that it's literally killing women uh, was pretty shocking. I mean, I knew it's bad for you and probably has some side effects, but the side effects were way worse than I thought. Um, Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting how just, socially that mm-hmm. the sexual liberation and women's lib movement or that, that phase of it was sort of pitched to women as now you're free. Like you can yeah. do whatever you want, yeah. but really what is it's called birth control anyways. Yeah. But some of the things that have That's happened, right. <laughs> you know, is like so many women were then kind of like ushered into the workforce and I'm, I'm sure many of them wanted to, but it's, I felt like there was such a robbery of, a woman's experience, not only as a result of the side effects and possible death from right. being on oral contraceptives, but was it really what was promised? Right. Because sure. 
you're shutting down your hormones and probably having a completely different trajectory of mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And not to say that like a lot of women don't want to go be working and obviously women don't want to sit why, around Why housewives. couldn't you work on birth without birth? Because you're pregnant. You're home having kids. Oh. Yeah. This was a whole, I mean, to me, I'm always like, what's the conspiracy? The conspiracy right. is let's take one household and double the tax revenue by getting the woman out of the house and to work. How do we do that? we got to have her stop making babies. So there's like that whole piece too. But I don't know that we shared yeah. so much about it. I was just like, damn girl, it's way worse than I thought. She was like, yeah, I bet. Um, but I also didn't know that for... Um, it's been a long time, but that she was on birth control for Yeah, a I come of from that generation, and maybe it's still happening the way it was for me when I was 16, but it was just like, it was just what it what, what you, you did. Yeah, You yeah, go to the doctor, yeah. and if you're 16, the doctor's like, you need to be put on birth control. And they might say one or two reasons why. And yeah, I mean, I'm a 16-year-old girl and, and an elite, intense athlete. And I think that was one of the rationales, like something around that. I can't remember the reasonings given, but I remember the the doctor in my periphery, like talking to some, some piece around my athleticism and why it might make it better to get on the pill for that reason. And I, I don't remember concretely why, but so yeah, from 16 till probably like, 30, I was on birth control. And then I just had this awakening one day, like the, how it has the word control in it. And there was just something that yeah, entered into yeah. my consciousness. Yeah. I was like, hold up, wait a second. Why am I taking this pill every day? Why am I doing this? Why is it called birth control? And I just started like, you know, having this consciousness opening and I got off of it and I've been off of it ever since. But yeah, just the piece I find most intriguing is the pheromone piece and, oh my um, gosh! Yeah, like your 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 the pheromone profile that you're attracted to changes when you come off of birth control. That's huge. Huge. Yeah. I mean, I wonder yeah. if I had if I would have been, and of course, I wouldn't change a second of it because my ex was the instrument for my awakening. But I wonder if I would have gotten into that relationship. <laughs> Who knows, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's karmic stuff too, but like that's a big piece right there. Just that one piece. When my wife and I were watching this at home, Ricky had, uh, Ricky Lake had sent me <clears throat> a screener. I was like, honey, do you want to watch this? She was like, yeah, let's pop some wine and watch this. And so we uh, halfway through, she was like, oh my God, when I broke up with you, it was this catastrophic breakup. We had met when we were 15, 16 in college, she came off of birth control and like we were done. And she was like, I wonder if that was part of it. I mean, granted, her, her abuela had died around that time and there was a lot going through her, you know, energetically, but she made that connection immediately and was like, I don't remember not being attracted to you. It was just mm. that something had shifted mm. and the veil had been lifted and she had to go in a different direction. Yeah. And of course, now we're married with, with kids and everything, but... I found that to be really, really interesting. And that, that research has, hasn't really been... Everybody in that, you know, when the film was made... Everybody was focusing on blood clots and stroke and this and that. And those are catastrophic things to happen. It's also a very low absolute risk. But you need to know that risk mm -hmm. if you're going to make an informed decision. On the other hand, what about all the other stuff about disconnecting you with the rhythms of nature, with perhaps your, your more subtle energetic bodies? It's, you know, everything in medicine is antibiotic, antihistamine, antiviral, anti-whatever. They could call birth control like anti-divinity, anti-feminine, anti-whatever, because it cuts you off from that, that source of mm -hmm. that, that special sauce that makes you a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and without getting into the whole conversation around, you know, 
you know, binary language and whatnot, when many women who identify as women come off of that or go onto it, they feel something shift. And that's not something that many doctors are willing to hear. They gaslight and they're like, don't worry, you're fine. Just, you know, yeah, it'll work bleeding. itself out. Yeah, you're not having a period or whatever. And um, yeah, it'll work itself out. This is just, you know, you'll be fine. In a couple of years, you'll feel better. And that's that. And you just get kind of pushed along the, yeah. the, the assembly line. So um, I'm glad you brought that up. Were there any other any other insights that you guys, or maybe that you've had over the years, perhaps when you came off of birth control, what was it like to... <sighs> I mean... I don't fully remember, to be honest, like, yeah, I don't know that that's where I could best share my wisdom nuggets. Um, I just know, I just know at this point, uh, just in the overall theme that this one also goes into, I'm just no longer willing to compromise my alignment with the divine for, for any reason, you know, like the, the cost is, is too great. And so, I just know that I have to keep, and that's where the name Rock Star Shaman comes from. It's my anchor connection point and honoring communion with Great Mother Earth Rock and the vertical line that runs oh, through right. me and my heart and up into star, my connection and honoring communing with Great Spirit Star. And it's like that vertical line, I hold at all costs. I will not compromise that line for anything. That's amazing. Another it, another piece of it that I found interesting was around just how women have been duped by the system and by the marketing. And that was made so apparent by the comparison that um, if this were a drug for males and it completely shut down your testosterone production, you couldn't get one guy who knew that to take mm -hmm. it, yeah. right? Yeah. Yet, yeah. Estrogen is as important to the female body as is testosterone to the male body, and you're totally shutting that down. I mean, that is that in and of itself is just catastrophic. And the fact that that's been sold as like you're free now, right? 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 It's like, right. show me one guy. He'd be like, cool, I'll take a pill and shut down my testosterone completely. Yeah. So, so I can't effectively chemical castration in, yeah. in many ways. Now, it's not the same as these new medicines that are, you know, well, they're not new. They've actually been around for a while that actually shut down the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. They're called GnRH analogs. They basically tell the brain, stop producing FSH and LH, which tells either the testes or the ovaries, just stop working. Puts you in menopause with chemicals. <clears throat> and that's a different conversation for a different time that we can, we can get into. Um, I wanted to also add to what you were saying about this. And Luke, you brought this up when we were recording on your show, the IUDs. I think we brought this up maybe. The copper, this copper metal device that is in your midline mm. along the axis of your antenna mm. that allows you to operate as the rock star shaman. Mm -hmm. So now we've put this piece of conducting metal mm. right on that axis. And how would that perhaps Oof. perverse that experience for you? We, we don't know, but it's, right. it's a conjecture that many... I, I dare say many people in Western medicine, whatever that even means, don't really think about that because we're not concerning mm -hmm. the subtle energetics. Mm -hmm. You're just an automobile with mm -hmm. some fancy parts to us. So wow. um, I just wanted to honor that as well, because when a person has gifts, you know, either of you, I, I think you have a, a, a unique set of gifts. If we were to start messing with the energetics you become a very different person. And I mm -hmm. think that's what many women have been expressing, but they just haven't been given the language or the permission to express mm -hmm. that. 
in their doctor's office on crinkly paper without underwear with a little drape over mm-hmm. under bright lights and a stranger walks into the room. That's yeah. Not the, that's not the time. And ask for to... your feet to be put into yes, the... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just a little pinch. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 <laughs> oh boy. So let's talk about your book, Alice. And I know that, um, oh, I know you've you. got a little bit of time left. Um, yeah. For your fans out there, <laughs> Animal Power. I need Yay. to get a hard copy of this at some point. Yeah, um, because you sent me the PDF. It's an, it's a beautiful book, and Thank I you. I heard your story and talking about it on your own podcast. What a journey! What a journey! So, how did you? What what made you want to do this? And how did you actually pull this off? Oh, yeah. Thank you for being so honoring when you showed up in the home today and just like speaking the kind affirming words that you did, you know, feeling the power of the book. Uh, So yes, this was a many year long journey. uh, And I will say that the power animal allies were some of the very first spiritual guides who came in after my divine intervention to support me in that process. So after I surrendered and asked, you know, for guidance and said, I would finally get out of my own way. Thank the good Lord. Jeez Louise, uh, I was shown, you know, to go to, sh- instructed to go to shamans. Those are the first healers I was shown I needed to go to, one of them being my aunt. And in that soul retrieval journey, that's where the animals started to enter in. And my core power animal happens to be on the cover. Um, it just coincidentally worked out that way, the black jaguar. And then I had three supporter animals, the bear, the deer, and the frog. Speaking of frog medicine. Oh, yeah, yeah coming back Wait, the bear the deer and the frog yes all three of them came in as supporters for for different purposes at that time but all four of them came in like my team to all work together with me to help get me through that time because my life got turned upside down I was having all these additional awakenings all these visions being shown wow. to me like it was a wild discombobulating time so many spiritual fires breakdowns to break through it was, I mean, it was, it was gnarly, um, but also miraculous. And so, yes, each of these animals came in for different wisdom teachings, healing to give me different healing properties and blessings. Uh, and then fast forward, you know, for more than a decade, I've been working intimately every single day with the power animal realm. And what's been so beautiful about this trajectory is the growing trust with myself and the animals and the animals with me. It goes both ways. Like one example, I have gone on stage in front of 10, 15,000 plus people and I'm there uh, for different purposes, but one to do live power animal readings in front of these huge audiences. And also I've done this. I've you know, my friends in New York City, a lot of them are stand-up comedians. I've actually headlined at New York Comedy Club. And like, those are not easy crowds and easy places to go up on stage as a headliner in a New York City comedy club and weave in live shamanic power animal readings. So imagine the trust that I have to have with them in front of a New York City comedy club audience and also in front of 10, 15,000 people that yeah. they're going to arrive in real time and not lag on me and make me stand there like a schmuck, you know? Um, so anyways, like I have learned... Like that, a raccoon in the back who's just like, oh my God, watch your yeah, sweat. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, let's not show up this time. Yeah. And so I have to trust them. And then they have to trust me to be a proper honoring voice for yeah. them, to be yeah. a proper messenger to speak what they're telling me to speak in an honoring way. So it's just been this wild, um, ever-growing relationship 
fast forward to when I was being approached by publishers to write a book. This was all my, during my, all my years in New York City, taking all these meetings, couldn't get clear on what the book is. Finally thought I had it, thought it was going to be a book on surrender. Working title was Soul Surrender. Flew off to Bali. I was like, oh, thank God. After three plus years of taking these meetings, I've got it. And in my first morning meditation, all these animals, as far as my mind's eye could see, hundreds if not thousands of them, they all crowded in and they had one message for me. That is not the book that you're supposed to write. We're here to co-create a modern day power animal guidebook with you. So it was really them that gave me the instruction. And I live, I truly live by heeding the calls. Like I don't live from my mind. I don't live from my ego. I mean, I have to keep those, those threads in check. Don't get me wrong, but that's, I live from the instructions from divine. So I had to reach out to my agents and say, uh, just kidding about that other book that we all agreed upon. I've now been given this instruction and thankfully they were on board. Fast forward another many, many years of writing this book, communing every day. Luke was witness to a lot of those processes as, as we lived together in LA. And uh, yeah, working together with the animals, working together with Great Mother Earth, Great Spirit, and also the incredible illustrator who has since transitioned to the other realms, William Santiago. This is his last works of art. His legacy lives on in this book. And so wow. it's an incredibly powerful, powerful, living, breathing medicine book that I'm really, really proud of. So um, thank you for asking about it. <laughs> you know, those flights to Bali, they're, they're dangerous flights. Yeah. I, I, I think that you've had Erin McMorrow on your show. She's a good friend of mine. Uh, she's the one that put us in touch, actually. Yeah, I love Erin. Oh, yeah. She wrote Grounded. She's great. And she told me, you know, she her story is that she was on a flight to Bali and it was like, okay, here's the book I'm writing. Yeah. So watch out if you're going to Bali anytime soon, <laughs> you might have a uh, and you think you have a seven book year idea. journey ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a powerful place. Do you want to? Um, so, in essence, what your book is mm -hmm. is a collection of yes, uh, sort of um, one hundred animals. It's one hundred animals, and it talks about some of the energetic qualities and, and attributes of the various animals. Exactly. Would you mind doing a reading for me? Yeah, I would love to. And you know, even though, so it, we've, Nathan and I have been in a funny dance in the last couple of months with this reading. I remember you emailed me and you're like, hey, can you do a preliminary reading so I can then like just feel into it and sit on it? And we were going through the move and to hear, and I was going through some other initiations as well. And I was like, can you circle back to me on this? And normally I do them live uh, during the interviews, but then of all things this morning, I'm like, I think I'm supposed to tune in and, and start to see if an animal wants to come through. And that animal really wants to be spoken of what came through this morning. Okay. So um, I just want to share, I put notes in my phone. I sat outside in the yard and did, um, Nathan had already given me permission to access into the energetic field and to do this reading. Uh, so... There was a big horse that a came in. A big horse? Yes. Cool. Horse medicine came okay. galloping in. Okay, yeah. I want you to be able to fully receive this. And I'm also totally open. I like to preface every reading with none of this might resonate. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm fine. If at the end you're just like, that makes no sense and it doesn't speak to me. No, you know, I'm I'm fine if you don't oh, I'm resonate. An, I am open hearted here about this. Okay. I, yeah. Um. So the horse is inviting you into a new dance, a new way of experiencing life moving forward. Um, it's inviting you into even deeper intuitive power and wisdom within you. And it was interesting because when the animals come in, 
I'm starting to see why I prefer to do this live. As I connect in and the animal reveals itself, it will typically show something to me. And then I'm like, why, why were you doing, so it came in, this might be really loud, so I'm going to move the mic, but it was doing that horse thing where it goes, Mm. you know, where Mm -hmm. it like blusters Mm -hmm. in a really big way. It's like gums and lips Mm. and teeth. And it kept taking me to its mouth. And then it took me, it was moving in a really exaggerated way, its neck and its head and its mane and moving it around. And I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? And essentially the horse was taking me to this upper region of you. And it was saying that I want to get this right. There's a bit more of a clearing with you and your line to great spirit. I'm not saying you don't have that yeah, line. Yeah. I know you have that line, but it's an urging of you to, to clear and clean that line up even more. And this message I wrote, this is a big key right now to your earthly power and will take you in more enriching adventures of earth and soul experience moving forward as you devote to clearing and cleaning that lineup. And I said, um, without this, without doing that, your horsepower is more erratic because it showed me if you don't do that tidying up, uh, the horse, somebody got on the back of the horse with the reins, but the horse was just doing its own thing. Like the power that you have, um, wants to be harnessed in a more directed way and it will come through you tidying that lineup. Um, And then at the last part, it jumped, the horse jumped into the middle of a sun and it stayed there. It like locked into the middle of the sun. And the message was, these are a few keys for you truly being more in your divine power. Whoa. What you said about having to, the smudge, like to, to clear that up is absolutely on point Okay. because I go through periods of, of like reset and I'm, I'm approaching a time where I need to like really start to clear that up a little bit because you just get so caught up with the day to day and, yeah. the, you know, business and the money and the house and the, and the whatever else. And I've been traveling for six days now. I haven't seen my little girls and I do feel like I, I'm not falling asleep as well. And I'm, I'm just not connected to, to, to spirit you know, for the past couple of days. So there is something to that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that it came through today because just this morning I was like, oh man, I have really got to, I got to ground myself. I need to go and like stand in the dirt and like reach up to the sky and like really start to, to get back on center. Yes. So it was something I was thinking about driving over here. Well, the irony, and I have this in my notes, in the middle of this reading the horse, after it was explaining to me why it was taking me to that upper portion of you that connects up to sky, father sky, after it explained that, then it did that. I don't know the move, but when horses get on their hind legs and rear up, rear yeah. up. Yeah. And it was that exact mm. thing that you just described, the the hooves, the rear end, oh rear gosh. leg hooves yeah. anchored fully planted. And it was able to rear up in that vertical line. So Yes, whatever that looks like, feels like, moves like for you, the the dusting of that connection line feels really imperative for you right now. And it will be of great service for you in your whole pathway moving forward. It's like, yeah, just, you know, you have a lot of horsepower, but it can, it there's potential for it to get more erratic. Yeah. 
yeah. um, than it needs to. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. That seems like it's it's it can be very taxing for you. It's yeah, and that it is. It can be. Yeah, because it's like and I know you get it and you've been very honoring of me and my work, but some people that just, you know, aren't on the path for very long or new to spirituality, they're just like, oh, like casually, can you do one of those mini readings when I interview you? And I'm just like, it's not just doing one of those yeah. mini readings. It's yeah. like I have a whole process of surrender and connecting in, of clearing my field, of making sure that I'm at no part involving myself in your reading, yeah. the yeah. integrity of the reading, the connection into the unseen realms. Like, yes, I can do it instantaneously, but that's through like a lot of years of skill. And like, just by accessing in, it can be exhausting and making sure that, yeah, I'm conveying it right. It's like, it's a whole thing, even though it's a mini reading. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. You do that little thing you do, Allison. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun at parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're coming up I here. mean, I, if I didn't have another podcast yeah, to jump to, I yeah. would be happy to sit here for another hour or two. Yeah. Maybe you and Luke can I keep can, talking. Yeah. I can carry on. <laughs> yeah. and, and thanks for letting me um, hijack your, your interview, Allison. Yeah, I know. And he was like, hey, you know, what if I join you for your time on Nathan's show? And I was like, no, that's cool and all, but I'd still like to be able to honor the birthing, the eight-year journey of birthing Animal Power book. As long as we can honor yeah. that, I'm happy to talk about sacred union all day. So well, well, let's, thanks for having me. Tell me, tell everybody about how they can find you. You're on Instagram. You've got a great account there. You've got this great book. You have a deck as well, mm -hmm. a card deck. So tell us really quickly, how can people find that and how can they, how can they connect with you? Yeah, the best place. I mean, you can get Animal Power Book. It's available now. Everywhere books are sold. If you prefer going the quick Amazon, Barnes & Noble route, that's fine. But also in independent bookstores, you can go to my website, alisoncharles.com. There's a page on my website devoted to Animal Power Book. And if you purchase it there or through the links there, you can get a free guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum and we call in your current power animal. Wow. And that'll just get emailed to you because I, I thought there's no greater free gift than that so that when the animal comes in, then you can go and learn more deeply through um, the book, why, why it revealed. Uh, yeah, my Instagram is at I am Allison Charles and Animal Power Card Deck, which they're great together. Uh, it's available for pre-order now and it will get sent to you in August. So maybe by the time this airs, it'll be even closer. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was so great. Thank you for having me. Oh, and Ceremony Circle is your podcast. Yes, thank you. I always forget to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I really devote a lot to that. And we close every episode with the guest immersing listeners in a brief healing ritual or practice. So there's an actual opportunity to to go into ceremony at the end of every Ceremony Circle episode. So yeah, that's another big project that I do. So thanks for remembering yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time mm. and good luck on your podcast. Thanks. Luke and I will keep going for yeah, a few Yeah, I'll go upstairs. You guys carry on. Goodbye, everyone. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Well, let me start by saying if you didn't resonate with that conversation, and I'm not sure what to tell you. <laughs> we got into so many nooks and crannies there about the human experience. Uh, what a pleasure to know Allison and Luke, to have them in my tribe. Um, if you want to check out Allison's book, it's called Animal Power, 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. You heard her reading with me. It came up through so organically, and it really resonates with me. 
uh, far more than just a fortune cookie. Like it gave me something to really sit with for the past several weeks since I saw them. So uh, very, very grateful to know them. Go to alisoncharles.com. Her name is spelled A-L-Y-S-O-N, Charles, as you'd expect, .com. And you can buy her book. There's also a deck, a card deck that goes with it as a companion. And then, of course, Luke's story can be found. His podcast is the Lifestylist Podcast. At his website, you can, it's Luke's story, L-U-K-E-S-T-O-R-E-Y. You can look through, what I, what I love about his website is, first off, he's an amazing podcast. Go check out the Lifestylist Podcast with Luke's story. But on his website, he's got an incredible store where you can get discounts on virtually anything under the sun through the lens of the biohacking community. So a lot of EMF blocking technologies, a lot of different colored light bulbs and, and different technologies you can use to optimize your living space. So that's lukestory.com, alisoncharles.com. Go grab her book. Go grab the, the companion deck set. I think it's gonna it's like a perfect coffee table book because her book is so beautiful, well illustrated, and she's put a lot of time and heart into this. So I hope you can support her. And if you want to find me, I'm Nathan Riley. I'm the Holistic OBGYN. Go to belovedholistics.com, join my private association, and then you can have access to private consultation. You can join my collaborative program. You can buy packages of time. I do everything from fertility to pelvic pain to menopause to pregnancy and postpartum support. I do the works. You can find all of that at belovedholistics.com. Leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps get us up in the rankings. And um, I'm doing this completely organically. This is an, uh, a labor of love. It is a 501c3. So if you want to make a donation, reach out. I think that's just about it. I appreciate you listening in again. I'll see you the next time here on the Holistic Obituary Podcast, everybody. Take care. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto.